New Year's resolution, win tomorrow. Talk to you. Happy New Year's, Joe. Happy New Year's, Friars fans. You just heard Ed Cooley's New Year's resolution. He said, win tomorrow. And that the Friars did, defeating DePaul 70-53, to controlling this game handily, leading 42-14 to at one point in the first half. This is quite a start. So 2022, this is the Flex. I'm Matt St. Jean with Joe Howie. Uh, this is really all we could ask for, isn't it, Joe? Yeah, I, I mean, you got the perfect 3 p.m. start, so you know you can kind of waltz into the day. You can wake up at noon, do you know, nurse your your New Year's Eve hangover, and then <laughs> go in and and beat the doors off of DePaul, which is really all you could ask for. They picked up on the momentum off of that Seton Hall win and then off of the UConn win. I mean, they're playing well right now, and uh, you can kind of see it on a night when Reeves was sidelined with an injury. Watson was held to three points. Like the role players stepped up. So there's a lot of chemistry and I just, I think the team is meshing at the right time. Yeah. How, how long now have we complained about Friar teams, not starting hot enough, not starting off strong. And that team at the end of 2020 and this year's team are the only Friar teams I've seen that have really gotten off to hot starts consistently. And it's, I mean, it's refreshing to watch for one, but it really puts you in a much better position for the length of the game. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I will say in the second half, even with the 20 plus point lead, I wasn't too thrilled that DePaul was chipping their way back into it. Again, the we won by 17. It wasn't necessarily a nail biter, but I, I saw glimpses of the UConn game of the Northwestern yeah. game when we were up 17, 18 points. And, you know, the other team came back and made it tight. I don't think DePaul has that level of talent yet, but uh, I did start to sweat a little bit probably around the nine minute mark. But at the end of the day, we won, we pulled it away and, and we were able to win comfortably. So mm-hmm. I, I still think there's some work to do there, but back to your original point, Matt, starting the games off strong is ideal because we basically set the tone with that 22, nothing run to end the first half. That was the game right there. Yeah. And it's, you had two different runs in the first half half for a 15 to two run, a 22 to nothing run. And it would have been a 22 to nothing run going into the half had DePaul not banked in a three at the buzzer. I didn't think that shot had any chance and then it went in so you had the 42 to 17 halftime lead. that's a that's a football score right there that's yeah, by, by the sorry go ahead now it feels like you're watching a, a bears game here the home team in chicago losing 42 to 17 <laughs> oh god um, <laughs> by the way too that banked in three to to end the first half was their first made field goal in nine minutes i i feel like they sat at 14 forever i just you're watching and it's like, I just couldn't like part of it. They couldn't hit shots. And I don't think DePaul is as bad as they looked for stretches of that first half. But I think Providence was also just really, really good, especially on defense. And I want to talk about this defense because it's something Ed Cooley talked about post game. And they had Justin Minaya on as the, the one player that the media gets to talk to. He had a double double. And I asked him, 
one. He had a double-double this game. Noah had a double-double the last game. I asked him, what's it like playing with him? And he had a his big glowing smile talking about how much fun it is to play with them and how they have that same mentality to fight for boards and compete over them, and they just love that. going Basically playing against each other for rebounds in some ways. But then yeah. Cooley said in his segment, he thinks Manaya is far and away the best defensive player he's ever coached, and he should be the front runner for Big East Defensive Player of the Year. I agree. Uh, he's the Manaya Messiah. He came in defensively and just he filled the role that was left by Alpha Diallo. And then it was kind of vacant for most of last season. You know, you tried to slot in Greg Gant, Jimmy Nichols, you know, uh, even Horkler at times. But Manaya has filled that that stretch three, four hybrid wing forward role, especially defensively. Like it's nice. The double double 12 points, 11 boards, 11 boards is what I take away from that as being mm-hmm. most important, especially because a lot of them are defensive. Nine defensive rebounds, two offensive rebounds. So you know what he's doing. You know he's def- he's defending. He's on the ball defending. That's why he gets some of these tougher matchups. Yeah, and it makes your life so much easier if you only have to defend for 30 seconds instead of the extra 20 because you gave up a rebound or the other yep. team's getting a putback. I mean, it's it's the most deflating thing in the world. I mean, go look at that Villanova Seton Hall game that happens today. It's so deflating when you defend a team for 30 straight seconds, force them to take a bad shot, and then they collect the rebound. That's just, that'll get you down. And when you have a guy like Manaya and Horkler too, Horkler had eight rebounds as well. Two of those guys combined. Yeah. So that's 19 between Horkler and Manaya. The other eight from Watson. Again, we're testing my math on this podcast. That's 27. So you got 27 rebounds from those guys, especially if your opponent's not shooting well. They're not going to get those second chance looks. And you can really no. limit that, which is awesome. And I, I think this is so important for Providence going forward is continuing to sweep the glass. I mean, you play Connecticut again. You play Seton Hall again. You haven't even played Butler yet. You have Xavier. You have Villanova. You have teams that are going to try and compete with you on the glass. Obviously, this wasn't DePaul's forte. We had 42 boards to actually – 38, that's not as discrepant as I thought. Um, and I think hmm. you got to credit stat, DePaul. The stats they tell were, a different story. And, and part of it's, I mean, the fact that you're winning the rebound, the matchup with them at all is huge because they are such a good team at rebounding. It's something they focus on and something Ed talked about post-game. That that's, they got three of the top, uh, top six or top eight rebounders in the conference. They're physical. They want to crash the glass as much as possible. And he was so happy with the team, with their preparation to be able to contend against that. You could see it easy. The Friars weren't getting second chance looks. So what do they do? You hit your first chance ones and you just play physically and answer the bell at both ends of the floor. Yeah, that's really all you can ask for. It was very refreshing. We could talk about the paint play in this one quite a bit. But honestly, the guy who I really want to talk about, who I don't think we did, we talked about him enough after the last game against Seton Hall either, Jared Bynum. He had seven assists, 12 points, three rebounds. Is this the best he's played in a Friars uniform this stretch, these last couple games? Yeah, I I won't. Because uh, I think the Seton Hall game and this game are different in their own respects, so I won't say either or. But I'd say th- these past two games, and UConn as well, has been the best stretch of, of play that he's provided this team. And you're exactly right, Matt. He's coming on at the right time, um, which is kind of 
off brand because you'd think that after an injury, you know, someone would have a slow onboarding process, but he was thrown right into the mix back in, in, God, that was December 18th, thrown right back into the mix against Connecticut, you know, Mm -hmm. poked the ball away, you know, played well. He was an X factor off the bench, came off the bench against Seton Hall, scored in double figures, was playmaking, driving, scoring. And then we saw a very similar presence today. And I think something that I want to talk about, too, something that he's done differently from the beginning of the season to now is he doesn't play with his hair on fire anymore. And this is something you and I critiqued him on. You know, God, what was that game? Northwestern when he was flying up and down the court, like not setting up the offense. There was no composure. Like he looks to have controlled that and tamed it. He's looking more of a like a little bit of a slower version of his old self, more like Kyron Cartwright. Yeah, he's more composed. Yeah. And yeah, there's no there's no rush for him. If the play is there, he'll take it. He's not going to hesitate on it. And I think Durham's the same way. They're both not afraid to go downhill if that's what the defense is giving you. But they just they don't, they don't panic. And it's so nice to have that a guy to get this team has two ball handlers that just don't panic. Because, I mean, Bynum was really setting up the offense. He had some highlight reel passes, some skip passes, setting guys up from deep. Uh, he had the assists on the Horkler and Manaya threes early in the game that really helped the Friars yep. get out to that lead. And then you want to talk about getting out to that lead. Durham hit the first basket of the game for Providence. That's nice, not step back three, but just settled into a three. You knew it was open, just ripped it. And then he had a two. He had four, five of the first points. And it's nice to have a guard that can knock down those shots, too. Just the confidence that you could see with, with that was also amazing. Yeah, you know what I liked about Durham's performance, too, is DePaul came out of the gates extremely chippy. You know, their bench is making a lot of noise. They're, they're really, you know, their ball pressure to start the first half was tight. You know, they're physically bodying Durham. They're poking the ball away. So what does he do? He settles into a three. He puts us puts you up five. Like, I, I think these were statement baskets by him because at the end of the day, like he's human and playing against a pesky team like that while their their walk ons are, are clapping in your face like that's annoying. So to, yeah. to make the statement baskets like that, I think was a, a, a nice but subtle, you know, you know what to the to the the, the ball players <laughs> yeah and they have this the attitude of this team like it you, you feel a little bit of that Kyron Cartwright and you feel a little of that a little bit of that Lawan Pipkins where you have it's just it's steady and in control while still being fiery it, it rides the line between those two and I just I love it because there's no doubt this team DePaul is a chippy team and the Friars kind of matched that. Not saying the Friars were chippy, but they they took that physicality and pushed right back, which you got to do in this conference. Yeah, absolutely. Especially now, DePaul never historically was like a chippy or, or I mean, every team in the conference plays physical. DePaul specifically has never been chippy. So, uh, except, you know, except for Pauly Polycap. <laughs> Oh, I hated that guy. Yeah. I hated Paulie Paulie guy. Yeah. So he uh, he was starting today for West Virginia because West Virginia is down a bunch of players right now. So he got the start. I don't know how he did, but I know he was uh, he cracked the rotation down there. I hated that guy. He was <laughs> it, talk about chippiness. That guy was a straight up baby. Like you could have put a diaper on him. He was every single call. He was pissing and moaning to the refs like there was one call he physically just grabbed nate watson and pushed him watson gets the n1 stares him down and then paulie paulie cap is chirping to watson 
pissing and moaning to the refs like, dude, you pushed him. Everyone saw it on the replay. Like, own up to it. I hate when players complain like that. So annoying. Yeah, he was he was frustrating. But yeah, no more polycap. Lots of changes for this DePaul roster. I was I just want to get your thoughts on this DePaul team. Obviously, today was not their uh, best moment with with the new coach, a new roster. What do you think of them heading into the rest of this Big East schedule? Um, I, I think they're going to be a tough out for a, a lot of teams. Um, I, I think teams like Butler, Marquette, Creighton, Georgetown, uh, even maybe like Seton Hall, like 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 some of these teams that that match up with DePaul are are going to struggle. Um, obviously, it, it's easier to say that after you beat them by seventeen. On- their home floor, but this is a DePaul team that's talented. Javon Freeman Liberty is really good. He has a clutch gene. He had he had a really nice top. Points. Yeah, he had a really nice transition transition three uh, about midway through the third quarter around the 15 minute mark. I think I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was really nice transition three. Um, Brandon Johnson, you know, he was pissing me off the whole game, but he's good. You know, he's a physical scrappy player. Um, on gender too. He does get to the line a lot um, on Jenda, you know, plays bigger than he is. He's he's obviously their center. Um, so matching up against Nate Watson isn't favorable. But he had a couple of post ups on Watson who um, scoring wise didn't have the best night. But presence wise, again, served to be, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the most important pieces on the floor. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's a solid DePaul team. You're, you're not looking at at the 2021 national champ or 2022, excuse me, national champions yeah, new, here. We're in the new year here too. Yeah. Sorry. I gotta, I gotta change the calendar. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't done it yet. I'm still a little groggy, but um, I digress. The, uh, this is, a, this is a good DePaul team. You know, they have talent. They will piece together some wins and some, hopefully some string together a, a series of victories to go through conference play. But this isn't not the DePaul team that's going to sit at 11th place in the basement of the conference. Not like under Dave Ladeau. No, no, it's certainly not. Um, so, yeah, we, we'll see what happens there. David Jones, his first game back from COVID, he had a rough day. I think it was 1-9 from the floor. Uh, only three points for him. So that's probably not something that's going to be the norm for them. I think from what I've seen, Tony Stubblefield's doing a better job with them. The game of Butler was a tough game and they hung tough, even though they were just not shots weren't falling for them early against the Friars. And then again, I don't think we could talk about it enough. How good this Friars defense has been as of late. They're shutting people down. You, you know, you hold DePaul to 53 points. Last game out, you hold Seton Hall to 65. You held UConn to 53. You held Central Connecticut to 53. Vermont to 58. Rhode Island to 52. That's a long stretch of, of games where you're really shutting teams down, with the exception of Seton Hall with the high in that stretch of 65 points, if you really want to say that. Yeah. <laughs> um. <clears throat> no, I mean, this is a, a Providence defense, Matt, that, you know, Ed Cooley always to, he hangs his hat on and year in and year out. He always says, you know, I, we hang our hat on defense and then the offense will come. That's something I say a lot on this podcast is that a good defense leads to better offense. And if you want to play the broad strokes game of surgeon right now, you can go and you can pick and you can poke and prod at the defense from last year compared to this year. And 
they're two different teams. Last year, Providence had 13 wins on the season. They're three games into Big East conference play and already have 13 wins. And the difference is the defense. I mean, I, I'll write it in stone on the moon. That's really what has changed about this team. We're not blowing teams out offensively. I mean, maybe at, at points tonight, it looked like we were going to, but this isn't an offensive powerhouse. We're no. good on offense. We hit our shots. We run our sets the way we should. We have the best center in the league with Nate Watson and a, a good slew of supporting roles that can, you know, stroke three ball, mid range playmakers. You got it. But this team hangs its hat on defense. We have lanky wings, a big man and some shifty guards that are really good with their assignments. Yeah, I think it's one of the other unsung heroes on this defense is what Al Durham does at that end of the four. For as good as he is on offense, he's just as good on defense, just that man up, taking guys away. He's not afraid to play in the post against your guards. And he's just, he's so solid at it. He yeah. does. I mean, no, he is. Yeah. There's a team that everybody on this team does the basics so well. I mean, Durham's a guy, he knocks down two threes. Gets you an assist. He's going to get you three rebounds. Leads the team with 17 points and is five of a six from the free throw line. Just doing a little bit of everything. Oh, that's what you need from that position on this roster. That's what Ed Cooley needs from his guards. So that's huge. They, they got to steal uh, with him. <laughs> uh, I think yeah, they definitely got it. Al Durham was a freaking bargain, man. Let me tell you. Tell me. Back in the moment, like I like I was obviously excited about Durham. He committed on my birthday. I remember I called you, Matt, but um, <laughs> it was also, you know, associated with the departure of David Duke, who has been lighting it up in the NBA. Obviously, as Friar fans, you know, we're happy for him. But if you would have told me in April, May, June that Al Durham is going to provide more for you statistically across the boards than David Duke, aside from scoring, I would have said, no, he's not going to do that. But here he is. He, he's proven everyone wrong. He, like David Duke was a, a high volume scorer. Al Durham is just a high volume everything. Like he scores, he drives, he's assisting, grabbing boards, defending, uh, hitting his free throws. Like he, he's doing all the little things that add up to the stellar performances night in and night out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. And then I think the one other, I mean, there's two guys that we haven't really talked about here for Providence. One of them is Nate Watson. Only three points, one for nine from the field. He gives you eight rebounds, but he fouled out, and he only played 21 minutes. And then the other guy, A.J. Reeves, he had five points. He knocked down a three, only played nine minutes. Why? He had an injury. We, We believe a finger injury in that first half and scored those five points through the injury. Cooley said after the game, that he would have thought you're lying if you said your team is going to get a 17-point road victory over DePaul with those guys only giving you eight points and 30 minutes combined. I think that, I mean, we talked about the toughness of this team. That, again, speaks to it right there. It, it does speak to it. And I think, um, well, there, there's two things I want to say. One, there's no egos, you know. Uh, on a night when offensively Watson isn't doing his best, like he's not he's not pouting on the bench. You know, he's rooting his guys on. He, he's mm-hmm. cheering for Croswell. He's cheering for Mania Horkler. He's cheering for his teammates, you know. So I, I, I think they play for each other. And I think that's why on a night when your leader Watson, when your leader Reeves are sidelined for miscellaneous reasons that, mm-hmm. excuse me, this team is playing well because they play for one another. 
There's no egos. There's no NBA draft lottery aspirations. Like obviously these guys want to play at the next level, but that's not the the goal right now. The common goal is to win as many Providence college basketball games as you can. Yeah. I got one more question for you, Joe, before we sign off here. And I think to some degree, we're going to get an answer to what everybody else thinks on Monday, but I want to get your thoughts on it specifically. Mm -hmm. Providence, the best team in the big East right now. At this point in time, January 1st, 2022, Providence is the best team in the Big East Conference. And I'll stand by that statement, no questions. That is your seventh in the Big East in the preseason poll, Friars. Right now, 3-0 and to start Big East play, 13-1 and overall, ranked 21 before this. We'll see how far they move up after this game. We'll see what the media thinks of Villanova with their win over Seton Hall. So then Villanova is one spot behind Providence. We're going to see what they do with that. We'll see how far Seton Hall drops. It's going to be a very interesting AP poll Monday. And then Friars are going to be at Marquette on Tuesday night. You will get a pregame pod for that one from us so make sure you stay tuned for it but yeah this is as good of a start to 2022 as i think anybody could have asked for we want to thank you all for listening to us through 2021 we're excited you're still here for this year if you're not following us already make sure you're following us on twitter and subscribe wherever you're listening to this so you can be up to date with all of the friars basketball coverage you could possibly ask for Friars again, 13 and 1, playing at Marquette Tuesday night. Thank you very much for listening. Go Friars. <laughs>